Good morning. There we go. We're the Hennig family. I'm Matt. This is my lovely wife, Daphne. Our children, Jalen, Cole, Caleb, and Bria, and I'm happy I got them all right. Hi. So the first candle was the candle of joy. Joy is the fruit of a life filled with the Spirit. Because of who Jesus is in our lives, we can choose to live a life of joy. Our second candle was the candle of righteousness. Righteousness is not perfection, but is the quest to be more like Christ in our thoughts, words, and actions. We strive to be Christ-like and allow him to work through us to show the world the the beauty of the redemption God brings. Our candle today is the candle of love. In Christ we find the embodiment of love. He came as a baby, lived as a perfect human, and became a sacrifice for us as perfect beings. Because of the love of God, for us he was willing to send his son Jesus as a sacrifice. This is the reason we can celebrate with confidence that Jesus is the redemption for our sins and offers us hope for tomorrow. Today's scripture is 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 through, or 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love God or does he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, and that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your unconditional love for us. Thank you that while we were still lost in our sin, you desired to have relationship with us out of your love for your creation and created a path to redemption through your Son. We know we are truly free from the bondage of sin, addiction, loneliness, and separation because of the sacrifice your Son made. Help us to love others as you love, and let us be an example of Christ in all we do. Amen. Now, without any further ado, the part of the morning you all... ...weeks ago, this is the third week, and the first week we talked about joy, and the second week we talked about righteousness, and our, the key thing I want to walk away with for, with joy is, joy is a choice, doesn't matter your circumstances, you either choose joy or you don't, doesn't mean things don't go wrong, doesn't mean things always go right, doesn't mean bad things don't happen, it means we choose our response to those things. Then we talked about righteousness... Our goal is to be like Christ, but understanding we can never be perfect on our own. However, that doesn't mean we don't try to be more like Christ. And today we're going to talk about love. Um, The candle was the candle of love today, and love is the attribute that we want to try to focus on. And what does it mean? Because I think sometimes the world is really confused about what love actually is. John 3.16, the common verse that many people know, they used to hold it up. I don't know if you can remember the days where in the football games, they'd hold it up behind the goalpost at practically every game. I saw it at the Olympics. I saw it at different things. And um, John three sixteen is great. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the second part, the next verse, 
is just as critical because it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, that, but that through him, they might be saved. It's great to remember that God sent his son to save the whole world, but it's just as critical to remember, he didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come because he hates you. He came because he wants you to have a relationship with the living God, the creator of all the universe. And too oftentimes, we get to the part where God loves me, and that's enough. But it's not enough. There's so much more. It's enough to draw us to him, but we still have to repent. We still have to do that. And again, I love the fact that he didn't come to condemn us. He came to give us hope. What a beautiful reminder. Next week is our, we'll do our candle of hope next week, also known as the candle of prophecy. And oftentimes it's the first candle, but I decided to make it the fourth of our five. And it wasn't on accident. It wasn't because I forgot or because my schedule got off. It's because I think that a lot of times we forget these things lead us to the hope that we have. So, Between 1959 and 2009, there was a survey done by a prestigious university that would ask the Americans, what was the number one felt need Americans had? From 1959 till 2009, the answer every year that they did this survey was love. People want to and need to feel loved. People have hijacked the word. How many of you remember the little 1970s pickup, a love pickup? Anybody? My neighbor drove a Chevy Love. It's a cute little pickup. People don't understand what the word even means. They misunderstand it. They believe that love is supposed to make them feel a certain way. I spent a lot of years working with youth, and I used to remember they'd come in one night to youth group, and they'd tell me they were in love with a person. And then I'd ask them like two weeks later, oh, how's your girlfriend? Oh, I have a different girlfriend now. I don't think you quite understood the concept of love. One day we love one thing. Days later, we love something completely different. We have love for our teddy bear, and I love pizza. And then I'm supposed to equate that into how God of the universe feels about me. And so society has taken the word and replaced it and warped it. And we've lost what it really means to love. So when people say that they want love in their life as their number one felt need, what they wanted was to feel accepted. What they wanted was to feel like they mattered. What they wanted was something that lasts, not something that's fleeting and fading. I was having a conversation with somebody recently about the divorce rate in America, and they were talking about how high it was, and I looked and I I said, in all honesty, I can't believe any two people can ever stay married. Have you met people? People are the worst. (laughs) A marriage has to be more than love. It can't just be love because love, the way we understand it, is fleeting and fading and comes and goes. And that's where we struggle with understanding what God means by he so loved you as a lousy sinner. He so deeply loved you that he would sacrifice his own son for you. And we don't understand that, and we don't even like it, and there's churches that won't even talk about it anymore because the idea of sacrifice seems so barbaric in our modern society. And so we can't understand it because we've so twisted the idea and the concept that love is about this. 
It's about giving of who I am to someone else. It's about compromise. Not compromising who I am, but compromising my wants and my needs for the betterment of somebody else. Which is a foreign concept in the world we live in today. The world we live in today, we want what we can get out of it as quickly and as rapidly and the most, and that's what will make me feel like I'm valued and that I matter. And so because we do that, because we have that idea, we've warped the very idea of love to the point where I love you means virtually nothing anymore. And yet people deep down are so desperately craving the idea of love. I think we get a great picture when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the love chapter of the Bible. People oftentimes use it at weddings, and it tells us this. Starting in verse 4, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. When you look at your relationships and you ask yourself, is that what my marriage is like? Is that how I view my children? Because I've had people tell me, oh, I just love my children. I love my spouse. You know, they love these things, these people. But love is about Not what I get out of it, but do I give of who I am out of myself? I told you last week, you're not going to be perfect in it. So even in love, you and I, we're not perfected. You and I, we struggle with this idea because to really love someone means I'm going to have to sacrifice something. Something that I want. Something that I like. Something that is maybe my time or my energy. Basically, the start of that, love suffers long and is kind, it basically means you're patient. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you know that in your relationships, sometimes you're not as patient as you need to be? And if you don't recall that, just think of when your kids were toddlers. Were you really as patient as we should be? There comes a point at which you just pick up the child and move them. <laughs> love doesn't envy, it's never jealous. And love doesn't make itself better than the other person. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely and it doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked and it doesn't think evil. How many of you think the best of your spouse and of your partner? How many of you always think the best of your kids? See, the problem is we live in this idea, this concept of we want to love people We want to love our neighbors as ourselves, but a lot of us, we don't even like ourselves. How am I going to love my neighbor as myself, and what good does that do me? And so it's this fine line of we have to learn to love who we are. And when you begin to understand Jesus is working in you to change you, you can begin to love yourself as who you are and understand you're not there yet, but God created you to be somebody and you're on a journey to become him when we strive to be more like Jesus. And so it's, you have to have point A before you can get to point B and point B before you can get to point C. And too many times Christians started at A, they jump to Y, and they're upset that they're not at Z. Yeah. 
And they forget that each of these things is a step forward. And they require things of us. And most of us don't want to put in the time and the energy to do what it takes to become who he created us to be. We want everything and we want it now. And when this doesn't work out, I chase something else. When I'm not happy with this car, I replace it. When I'm not happy with this house, I move. When I'm not happy with this job, I leave. When I'm not happy with my spouse, I find another one. And we do this over and over and over with thing after thing after thing and relationship after relationship after relationship. And we can't figure out why we feel empty inside. When we say, oh, I love God, but we don't even understand what love is. The scripture we read a little bit ago for the reading, the lighting of the candle was this. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone who's born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. Which I love those verses, but I love this part even more. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. It's not that we love God. It's that he loved us. And because he loved us, we have to change and compromise, not our values, but we compromise in order to make sure that people know that they're loved. I have every right to do certain things, but my rights end where I have to do things to show my neighbors I love them. And it doesn't mean I compromise my values or my beliefs, but it does mean I don't always get my way, and I like to get my way. So I guess it might mean you compromise your values and beliefs if one of your values and beliefs is that I always get my way. You may have to compromise that one. When we love people without condition we are the ones who will begin to change. Oftentimes when I'm talking with a couple and they're struggling in in their marriage or something, one of the things I'll tell them to do just as an exercise and an act of just faith is pray for your spouse, not that they'll change, but that they'll really experience God and love in a real way. And then you, you go out of your way to show them how much they're loved whether they reciprocate, whether they appreciate or not, you do your part. Because when I change my heart about someone, then suddenly, when I begin to pray for them, when I begin to want the best for them, I can begin to understand what it means to love them. When I'm struggling maybe with a neighbor or with somebody else in my life, first thing I do is I begin to pray for them and I pray a blessing over them and I pray a blessing over their house. I may not like the fact that their dog poops in my yard but I can still pray for their family. I may not like the fact that they own 11 cars. 11 cars, really? Only three of them run. Why don't you let me help you with the other eight? And you think I'm exaggerating. (laughs) But I can still pray a blessing upon their house. I can pray a blessing over them. I can do what I can to love them so that they begin to want to understand and to know. I can't change anyone else, but I can deal with my own attitude towards that person. And hopefully, as I do this, they're going to see something in me that's worth knowing and understanding. 
I've said for years, anything you see in me that's admirable or worthy is not me. It's Jesus working in me. And anything you see in me that's sinful and garbage is me holding on to something that Jesus wants to deal with. And too often times, I have this right. I want to hold on to something. And yet he's just looking and saying, I just want you to love other people in a way that impacts them and changes them. I want you to love other people so that they desire to understand why is this person different. When somebody has a relationship that goes bad, sometimes we, you know, we hold ourselves to, I can never have another good relationship again. I can never do this again. I can never do that again. And that's just as bad and just as dangerous because what we're doing is we're saying, because I didn't do it right once, I can't ever do it again. And that's the very nature of grace. I think when we understand that God never expected us to love perfectly, that's why he tells us this is what love looks like. If he knew we could love perfectly, he wouldn't have needed to give us a list of what perfect love looks like. I think sometimes when we hear the idea of love, we think, yep, I love God, so I'm good. But God over and over says, do you love your neighbor? Do you love your brother? And brother is the metaphorical sense of, do you love those people around you? Because if you don't love them, and you know them and you see them, how can you possibly love God who you don't see? So the candle today is the candle of love, an attribute that very much we want in our lives, that we desperately need to be real and active and working for our own sake as well as for the sake of others around us. Love is a difficult thing because it's been so twisted and so broken and so hijacked and warped that we no longer have a clear picture. But this is the clearest picture I know. Is it patient? Is it kind? Is it proud? Does it put others above what I want? Am I willing to sacrifice so that somebody can know and feel and believe that they're loved? Because I believe the best in those that I love. And I hope for the best for those that I love. And I'm willing to endure things knowing that love's not going to fail. Those are the things we must do in order to understand and in order for others around us to feel loved. The world is desperately, desperately wanting to be loved. And when they don't feel loved, they look to fill it with all kinds of other things. They look to fill it with chemicals. They look to fill it with... I've said before, a lot of times we fill it with good things. We get our kids into this sport or that sport because we want our kid to feel like they're accepted and apart. If you know me at all, I believe in sports. Keep your kids in sports. I think they're great. But I've often said... Don't sacrifice your time with God for the sake of a game. Don't sacrifice your time with God for the sake of something that has something that has eternal value for something that has temporal value. But don't look to fill your lives with things to replace what you're really looking for, which is that sense of, I am loved. And God's looking at you today as an individual and saying, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. 
I could say that to every person in this room. And most of us would struggle to believe it. Because we don't see that we have the value or the worth. But God saw you as having so much value and so much worth. He sent his son Jesus down to earth as a baby. And we celebrate this season. But the reason we can celebrate it is because the crucifixion and resurrection occurred so that you and I can know and experience that love in a real way from God and through each other. We're imperfect and we're going to mess up. But let's become a people who are known as a people who love. A few things as we walk out today that I want you to know. Number one, if you're in a relationship where somebody hurts you, nobody has the right to hurt you. Talk to me and I will help create an exit strategy for you. And my exit strategy isn't just, well, leave. I will genuinely help find you a place and we will move forward. Nobody has the right to hurt you even in the name of love. Number two, sometimes tough love needs to happen. But that's not for me to tell you or Oprah or anybody else to tell you when you cut somebody else off. You decide when. Don't allow others, their condemnation or their judgment on you to say, well, you shouldn't keep supporting whoever, because they do this. You decide that. Don't allow them to hurt you. But you decide when, you know what, we've done all we can. Now it's time for tough love. And don't let somebody shame you because they go, well, I would have kept loving them. Well, that's okay. I still love them too. I'm just going to say, this is the line that they crossed, that now we don't feel safe anymore. That they're not getting better. And that's, again, up to you. No one has the right to judge you or shame you depending on the decisions and choices you make. Because tough love exists, but you have to decide when. And the third thing about love is, love doesn't mean compromising your values. It doesn't mean compromising who you are, but it does mean compromising what you want. It may mean compromising what you want, what you feel you have a right to. I'm not asking you to ever compromise your core beliefs or who you are. But if you're really going to love someone, you're going to have to compromise what you want out of the relationship from time to time. And if you're demanding and you're saying, but I'm the husband and this is the way it's going to be, that's not compromising, that's demanding. And I've known plenty of people that try to bury it behind scripture and it's wrong. It says from the very beginning that Eve was created to be a helpmeet, not to be a servant of. Help me comes alongside and is equal to. So don't let people trample you, but also know you got to sometimes compromise what you want for the sake of love. Because it's about the greatest good for each other, not what can I get out of this. Let's be a people who are known by our love, love of our spouse, love of our children, love of those on our left and our right in our church, love of our neighbors, love of our community. Let's have people around us wonder why do they love people so much. I'm not saying life has been easy. I've never walked in your shoes. I haven't had to experience what you've had to experience. But what I know is this. The word of God says this is possible. doesn't say it's easy. Don't let people tell you it's easy. Don't let people sell you the idea if you'll just do these four things then your life with Jesus will be perfect and easy if you'll just give this much if you'll just don't buy into that because that's going to leave you frustrated hurting and empty believe this 
never says it's easy, only tells us it's worth it. Because that's the beauty of who God is. He doesn't give you the easy path, but he doesn't give you an impossible road to follow either. Father God, I thank you for the love that you give to us. I thank you that you were so in love with us that you were willing to sacrifice your own son so that we could have hope. God, may we see you, may we know you more. May we have a greater understanding of who you are and what you have for us. Thank you for your love in our lives that is unconditional, full of promise, and full of what you have in store for us. God, when it's not easy to love, help us to love anyway. Help us to be a people who are marked by and known by the things of love. Father God, I just pray a blessing on Gathering Place people today. Lord, for those who are sick, I pray for healing. For those who are battling illness, cold, flus, Father God, I pray for healing and wholeness. For those who are struggling right now financially, I pray for provision. For those who are struggling, needing a better job, I pray, Father God, that you would open the door to that. For those who are feeling, because of the holiday season, they're feeling loss or loneliness or sadness, I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would just quicken and empower them to know that they're not alone. For those who are struggling with depression, addiction, and isolation, Lord, let them know that there's hope. Let them see that. Let them find hope in this place, and let us help them find the people that they need outside of this place to give them something more. And we thank you and praise you for what you're doing. In your name, amen. Just want to clarify, next Sunday morning, 10 a.m., regular service. I believe it's going to be a Christmas carol extravaganza. If you're a person who likes singing Christmas carols, I believe Jen said, It's going to be all Christmas carols next Sunday morning. So join us for that. If you hate Christmas carols, come on, lighten up. It's once a year. Um, (laughs) And then next Sunday night is a night of scripture reading, um, music, readings, and a time to help us just focus on the sacrifice Jesus made. Next Sunday morning, we will light a candle next Sunday night. The next Sunday morning is the candle of hope. Uh, Sunday night will be what we call the Christ candle, and it'll be a celebration. Um, there's a fabulous gift that I've picked out for everybody who shows up for our Christmas Eve Eve service. You won't want to miss this year's gift and wonder, how can he come up with this stuff and tie it in? That's what people wonder all year. That's what people wonder all year. How do you do it, Jeff? Well, I can't let you know the, the secret behind it, but just know this year's gift is fabulous. So I hope that you'll join us next Sunday morning and Sunday night. Bring a friend and love someone well this week. We'll see you again soon.